0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It's a lot of I see a see a lot of red today. Yeah. Amen. 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 But it's always it's always good to be in God's house. And Amen. I know, I know many of us will be cheering today. But uh, there's something to to really cheer about is uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Jesus. It's Jesus. We're going to lift him up today. Good morning. I'm uh, Anthony Stafford, one of the elders here. I'll be uh, ministering to the word today. If you guys want to turn with me to Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Acts 12, 1 through 11. And and uh, yeah. By the way, uh, we can uh, release the kids back to uh, the class. Yeah. The yes. The uh, thank you. Starting at verse one, it says, "About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw it, that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of." of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out out to the people. So Peter Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before, before the, the door was regarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up and said, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Mm. Mm. Wrap your clothes around him and follow me. And when he went out and followed him, he did Did not know what that was being done, but that the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord, and they went out and went along with one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod. And from all that, the Jewish people were expecting. And we're in the midst of a, a sermon series that we've, we've titled it, Prepared to Build. And we're in the second half, the second half of, uh, of prayer. Um, we, we, uh, we, in, in week one, we looked at there was only one foundation and that we see that Jason talked about that, uh, that God has only one church and that the church isn't about us, it's about glorifying God and and doing what he wants us to do. And our goal here at Abundant Life, from its origin to now, is that we're a praying church. We're a church that centers around prayer. It's built on prayer. Um, We're not here to entertain. We're not here for a performance. It's not a social club, a networking gathering, but our mission is to make him known in the earth. And we saw that uh, we we can't build without commitment and contribution. And uh, we see that we need you, that uh, this is, uh, uh, for us as the body of Christ, we're called to contribute. We're not here to be consumers, but contributors. We're not here to be a cruise ship, but a battleship, you know, for war. And uh, we saw in week two, then Pastor Sharon talked about uh, obedience to the foundation. And she reminded us through a powerful word that, that obedience is freeing that it's liberating. Um, and she said that it demonstrates our love for God, that obedience leads to life. And then last week, uh, as we, we looked at prayer, uh, Jason continued on the foundation of this church and, uh, and talked about that we, we need to be listening to God, and our hearts need to be in tune to what he's saying to the church, and, and how that's done is through, through prayer. And so he as he titled it, uh, he talked about just taking a, a little brisk walk through the book of Acts. And we saw that in chapter one, we see Jesus, who spent 40 days with his apostles, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus commanded the apostles to stay in Jerusalem because there was something about to take place. And we see the Holy Spirit came upon the church as they were praying. And we see that in chapter two, that uh, thousands were saved. Um, we need to set time for prayer, and we see that uh, throughout, throughout the book of Acts, we see that it was, it was done individually, but also corporately, and God speaks to each one of us when we're in our, in our prayer closets, but also when we gathered here today. That's why God calls us to gather. There's something that happens when two or more are gathered in, in the midst of God, and then we see in chapter six that we see the apostles praying that we need to accomplish his plan. And it's not about it's not about how we sound, but it's just dialogue to God. It's just like walking with God. It's not not we're not here to impress, to put on a show. We're here to 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 just to, to, to touch Him. And then we see that that uh, that in Acts that we see that, that we're called to be a mission focused. That it's not we're not just here to 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 be uh, as a social gathering, but we're here to be on mission. That as kingdom followers, that we're called to. To look out that there's a, we're in a dying world as as uh, as Elder Keith was praying that we're in that we're in in the last days, meaning that in the days from Jesus' resurrection to to his second coming, and uh, and we're called to reach those that that need Jesus Christ, and then we see in, in, in uh, Acts eight that uh, that it, that it didn't make sense for for Ananias to lay hands on to go and, and lay hands on Paul, the Apostle Paul at the time Saul, but he obeyed. He listened to God and went and we see Paul being saved and going be, being a persecutor of the church to, to being a pastor and basically writing the you know, a majority of the New Testament. And then we see that, uh, you know, as Abundant Life, this church has always been built on prayer. You know, as we look at the, the body of this church, you know, whether it be the singles ministry, um, you know, as, as we Jason had alluded to before uh, this service starts, there's there's brothers and sisters that are in the prayer closets praying for this service. They're walking around praying for God to move and to for lives to be changed through this this. Uh, through this this uh, service. And, uh it reminds me back in uh, in the summer of my uh, my sophomore year, going into my junior year of high school, uh. I was uh, going from a JV to playing varsity, and uh, we were in an overnight camp down in a, in the Central Valley, and uh, it was an overnight camp. Uh, you know, I was uh, you know I was late. They had the gym. Uh, the college had the gym open late, and uh, and so it was. Uh, there was nobody in the gym, and I was just in there shooting around. You know, working on my ball handling, working on my jump shot. You know. Uh, uh, just, uh, you know, working on my game, my free throw shooting. And then uh, I see, uh, from, from a distance, uh, there was a, a, a young man coming in, and I'm like, man, I see, I see him come walking in. And uh, it, was, uh, it was our star player. Our star player was uh, walking into the, to the, uh, the gym, and, uh, and he walks up to me. He's like, hey, you want to play one-on-one? And I'm like, you know, I kind of gulped. I'm like, I don't know, I know. He was, they was fresh off, you know, uh, going to the state semifinals. And, uh, and so he, you know, he's asking me, do you want to play one-on-one? I was like, all right, cool. So all those times I was shooting by myself, I was working on my ball handling, I was able to, able to knock out, down shots, but then uh, I went up against him, and, uh, and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. You know, he was blocking my shot, you know, he was just running circles around me, uh, you know, shooting jumpers over me, stealing the ball from me. Uh, yeah, but what, 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 I, what I saw happening over the course of the last couple of days of the, of the camp, and we were just playing one-on-one, I was getting better. I was, I was, I was getting stronger in my game, and I was playing against, you know, uh, playing against our top player. And it's the same way in our walk with Christ, um, is that uh, when we face opposition, it's not there to destroy us, but to push us closer to God through prayer. And until we face opposition, we don't really know how strong our relationship with Christ is. And sure, the enemy is, is, uh, is taking aim at you, your marriage, your family, your, this church. You know, just FYI, this church has been through some stuff. But those are indicators that we're going in the right direction. That there's, there's resistance to doing God's will. There's resistance to having a strong marriage. There's resistance to doing God's purpose. This, ain't, this walk is not easy. But when we're, when we're following him, we know that we're going to face opposition. So as I was, you know, dealing with all with, uh, star players, I was getting, getting opposition with him. I was getting actually stronger. My game was getting better. And that's how it's a word for us. And as we turn to, to the text, as we see, as we've walked through Acts, is that we've been seeing the church. It's exploded. The Holy Spirit has come upon the church. We're seeing, you know, miracles, wonders taking place. Uh, in the church, but then we come to the text in chapter 12, and we see opposition show up. And we know that in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're going to face opposition in this life. And we see that in, in, uh, in verses 1 through 5, it says... Uh, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw this, that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. And King Herod ruled over Judea from AD 41 to 45 and was persecuting the church and ultimately executed James. Uh, And this was Herod Agrippa. This is uh, the grandson of Herod the Great. Who, uh, who had issued a decree, you, back, you remember back in Matthew chapter 2, um, where uh, all male children under two uh, were to be murdered. But, uh, and we know that you know, this was done because of political pressure. And just like in that day, day and age, a lot of decisions are being made today based on pressure, political pressure. And so he knew they would make the Jews happy. To, uh, to, kill, to kill James and ultimately to toss Peter into jail uh, during uh, the unleavened bread and, and Passover, which uh, was uh, commemorating you know, G- uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. But, uh, but we see that in chapter seven, St- Stephen preached with so much power that, uh, that they ordered him to be stoned to death. So just a couple chapters earlier, we see Stephen being stoned. Because he was, doing, uh, he was doing God's will. And uh, we see that in Acts 7 58 through 60. It says, While they were stoning Stephen, what did he do? He prayed. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. What he, when he said this, he fell asleep. We know the text that, that it got Jesus' attention. You know, he was doing God's will so well that Jesus sat up in heaven. And we want to be faithful to, the, to, to, to God's purposes in our life. Even as we face opposition. And then we see Paul, uh, as uh, later in, in Acts 16, he, he, we see Paul casting out a demonic spirit in a young girl. And then the owner found, finds out and he could no longer profit from her services. Then there's an uproar. And then they end up getting uh, locked up because they were doing God's will. They were, they were setting a girl free and they end up in prison. But what do they do? It says around midnight, they were praying and praising. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a word for us. Some of you might be in a, a season where you might be dealing with some, some, some tough opposition. Maybe it's your marriage is in, on the rocks or maybe your, your kids ain't acting right. Maybe, maybe you, you, you've got a difficult diagnosis from the doctor, but realizing that we gotta, we gotta keep praying and keep pressing into God. We gotta keep praising him because God's gonna work. And then what do we see next is that there's an earthquake and the prison doors open up. And Paul and Silas, they get out, and we see that the jailer was about to kill himself. But Paul stops him, and then he gets saved. then they end up going back to his house, and the whole family gets saved. But that's just a word for us is that when we face opposition that we just got to keep trusting God. We got to keep looking to him and following him. And in the words of Jesus, it says, Jesus, you will have trouble in this world. But take heart, I overcome the world. And we're reminded in Nehemiah chapter four, you remember when uh, when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. He experienced opposition. We saw the haters show up, you know, Sinballos and Tobias show up. But he kept doing God's. What did he do? He prayed. We see that in Nehemiah four, seven and nine. He says, but when Sinballos, Tobias and the Arabs and, and the Ammonites heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone up, being closed, they were angry. They had plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But what did he do? He prayed to God and posted a guard day and night. So he prayed, but he had his eyes open too. So he had his sword, but he had a sword too. And we, and, and we, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to, we have to pray. And it reminds me, in, in uh, 2005, it was called the Bush Push. I'm a big, uh, big, big uh, fo- uh, sports fan, and. And they call it, it was one of the greatest college football games of all time, uh, the USC Trojans versus Notre Dame. The game came down to the the the, the uh, down to the wire, and uh, the USC was getting ready to punch the the the, the ball in over the goal line, and uh, and uh, the quarterback Matt Leiner, was at the at, at the goal line, and he was he was trying to a quarterback sneak, and he got stuffed at the line by the defensive lineman. But then you see. Uh, the running back, Reggie Bush, coming from the back and pushing him over. It was an illegal play, by the way. But, <laughs> but, uh, but he pushes him over to the end zone. And that's what we have to do It's a picture of, of prayer. That's what we got to push each other in, into, into the end zone of prayer. So they pray. What they, we see is that they prayed when, when they faced opposition. And then also, the second thing we see in the text is uh, that the church prayed earnestly. Is that in verse 5, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made by the church. The, the church not only prayed when faced with opposition; they prayed earnestly. And it comes from the Greek, uh, Greek verb, extenos, And it's related to extenes," a medical term describing the stretching of muscles to their limits. Now, I, re- I remember when uh, I was, uh, you know, I thought I was working out, you know, okay. I thought, you know, I thought I'm pretty uh, athletic. A few years back, and there was a member of this church that uh, you know, he uh, we we end up training, and uh, and the first thing he was doing, he's like, Hey, let me, let me, we gotta stretch. And I was like, well, I just use that, I'll just work out. <laughs> and uh, and he gets behind me and he was pushing my my hamstrings, and I had never stretched like that. And it felt like it was gonna pop. And uh, and it's just like just like our our, our muscles, it's like we, we gotta we gotta stretch till where well, we're praying till it pops. You know, and it's it's uh, and that's a word for us, and it's, it reminds me of, of Jesus in uh in the Gethsemane, when he was agonizing before he was to be crucified. It's the same word that they use, is that he was uh he was agonizing in prayer. You ever been there where you're praying? Praying, and and that prayer is just different. The intensity of of the prayer. Is that they prayed earnestly. There's something about it. When, you know, when you're going through something, there's, a, there's a, a, an intensity of about that prayer that you're, you're praying to God to change the, your circumstance. You know, I remember when I was, uh, I was working for a boss and he was just a difficult boss and uh, he was humiliating, humiliating me uh, publicly to my team and uh, to the point I wanted to, you know, I had an email drafted and I was going to blast it to the team. And one of the brothers, we were working out in the morning and he was like, man, you just got to put in that you got to put in that recycle bin. You can't send that out. And uh, but privately, he was going through his own stuff. You know, he had he admitted that he was, you know, suicidal, you know, and uh, but I was praying for him. But but publicly, I was he was humiliating me amongst the team. My prayers in that season were different. There were earnest prayers. Because not only was God changing my boss, but he was also changing me through that process. And a lot of times God is, through when we're praying that earnest prayer, is that he's, he's also he's changing those are around us, but he's also changing us and how we respond to them. How, how do we live for him? And we see that in, Elijah, uh, in, in 1 Kings 18, in verse 37, when, uh, when Elijah on Mount Carmel, you remember Ahab summoned 450 prophets of Baal throughout Israel, and Elijah was the only prophet of God. And so Elijah taunts them and tells them to call on their God. And they're calling on their God louder and louder. And they was not doing anything. And we see in verse 37, he says, answer me, Lord, answer me. Earnest prayer keeps crying out. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God, that you are turning their hearts back to them. And then fire comes down from heaven. And that's what we got to cry out to God. Not only do we cry out to God when we face opposition, but we also have to cry out earnestly as the church did in Acts. They prayed fervently, a fervent prayer. It's different. And then, thirdly, they prayed for, for God's intervention. And we see that in verses 6 through 11 that we're praying, praying for God to intervene in our situations. So you could see the picture, it was at night, it was dark. And Peter was locked up. He was incarcerated, bound with two chains. He was in an impossible situation. But God loves to stack his chips up against himself. That's what I love about God. He likes to let things... You remember when, uh, when uh, Mary and Martha, when their brother, you know, Lazarus in, in John 11, he said, why, did, why, didn't you, why weren't you here earlier, Jesus? But they didn't realize, you know, they were, he, he's the resurrection and the life. Either they, he, they had Jesus... They had to die before he got there. They died after he left because he was the resurrection in the life. That God loves to let things. It would have been a, one thing to raise him up from the dead on life support. But there's another thing when they, he was dead for three days. God loves to stack the chips up against himself so he can really show how good he is, how powerful he is. And that's why we have to spend time in prayer. But some, sometimes, sometimes God gives us a vision as he did to Peter. And that's why I love the Bible. The Bible is funny. He says when they, It says in verse 9, he, he did not know that they was being done, but by the angel was real. But though he thought he was seeing a vision. So you can get that picture. He didn't th- think it was real. But sometimes we're spending so much time in prayer where God's telling us to act. So there's somebody that's hearing, hearing this message that, that needs to act. They're spending time on their knees, so much time on their knees, but God's telling them to act. They need to move in faith. God might be telling you to to open up a business in the midst of a recession. He might be calling you to to get engaged in a ministry here at Abundant Life. God is raising, he's doing something new here. And God's calling you to plug in. But you're praying, but God's calling you to act. You got to get out like Peter did. He, He had to listen, obey, and follow the angel of the Lord. What is he calling you to do? Maybe God's calling you to relocate, to do something for him. You remember in in, in Joshua when God told him to to step into the Jordan River. Joshua saw God work years before with Moses, but God told him, why are you waiting on me? I'm waiting on you. (laughs) See, with Moses, God told him to stretch out his hand and the the seas parted. But Joshua, he told him to step in the water. Some of us got to step in the water, what God has for us. We're waiting on God, but God's waiting on us. God's message Never changes, but his methods do. And then lastly, trust God in how he responds. And we see that, uh, we see the dichotomy and we see that in verses. Uh, we see James, the brother of John, being killed by the sword, but we see Peter being, being released from prison. The, pray, the, the church prayed for both, right? They prayed for deliverance and healing for both. But it was James went home to be with Jesus where Peter had more work to be done here on earth. And that's a word for us. Many times we don't we don't understand the ways of God, you know, but we know Romans 8 says God God will work everything for good for those that what key? The the prerequisites is that those that love God and are called according to purpose. Then we see uh, Isaiah 55. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth. My ways are higher than your thoughts. So we have to realize that God is sovereign. He knows what he, he he's in control. We have to trust him, what, he, what he's going to do in our life. And that's why I love, you know, the, the, when horses are in a horse race, they put blinders on the horses so that they don't get distracted with the other horses. And a lot of times as Christians, we get distracted by we're looking to the left and what my brother and sister are doing to my left or the right. Right, But we got to run our own race. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And you got to run that race to the best because he, he wants to say, good, well done, faithful servant. And as I, as I close, I just want to recap those four points is that, that we see that the church in, in Acts, Acts 12, that they prayed when faced opposition. We're all going to deal with opposition. Yes. And not only did they pray for opposition, they also prayed earnestly. Yes. They had a fervent prayer. Yes. The prayers were different. They wanted to see God intervene yes. in their situation. And that's what we got to pray for God's intercession on our behalf. And then lastly, trust God in how he responds. That at the end of the day, God is sovereign. He knows all. He's from everlasting to everlasting, and he knows what he wants out of our life. So we just uh, bow our heads in prayer while the worship team comes up. Lord God, we just are so thankful for your word and God, and we just see you uh, just moving in this house and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us and you mold us and you shape us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we, as we look to your word, we see that, that God, that uh, the church was exploding. God, and you were doing great things, but God, they, they, had, they faced stiff opposition. God, um, there might be here somebody that's, that's listening to this message here in the sanctuary online that's never even given their life to Jesus Christ. God, I pray, God, for uh, the Bible says the day you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. God, that uh, we don't know when that's our time, God, when you're going to call us home. But God, you you by your blood, God, that you, just like how you delivered Peter out of bondage, God, uh, physically, God, but spiritually. God, you delivered us on the cross, God, from bondage of sin. God, and uh, we pray, God, for somebody here today that's never given their life to Jesus Christ, God. They would, come, they would come to know how good you are. God, we pray for those that are hearing this message, God, that might be just struggling. God, they have this tension of, Lord, what do I do? God, you're, you're, they're praying, but God, you're telling them to act. There's something that you're calling them to act upon. God, and I pray that you would just push them, God, to take that next step. Whatever that is, we thank you, Father, for all you're doing in our midst. We thank you for this church. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.